Welcome to the Strongstown United Methodist Church. Join us for worship each Sunday morning at 11. Here's this week's message. Your readings today, we are continuing in the book of Hosea. So we are now in chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. So Hosea, <laughs> chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. The Lord says, when Israel was a child, I loved him and called him out of Egypt as my son. But the more I called him, the more he turned away from me. My people sacrificed to Baal, they burned incense to idols, yet I was the one who taught Israel to walk. I took my people up in my arms, but they did not acknowledge that I took care of them. I drew them with me, I drew them to me with affection and love. I picked them up and held them to my cheek. I bent down to them and fed them. They refused to return to me, and so they must return to Egypt, and Assyria will rule them. War will sweep through their cities and break down the city gates. It will be destroyed, it will destroy my people because they do what they themselves think best. They insist on turning away from me. They will cry out because of the yoke that is on them, but no one will lift it from them. How can I give you up, Israel? How can I abandon you? Could I ever destroy you as I did Adma, or treat you as I did Zeboim? My heart will not let me do it. My love for you is too strong. I will not punish you in my anger. I will not destroy Israel again, for I am God and not man. I, the Holy One, am with you. I will not come to you in anger. My people will follow me when I roar like a lion at their enemies. They will hurry to me from the west. They will come to me from Egypt as swiftly as birds and from Assyria like doves. I will bring them to their homes again. I, the Lord, have spoken. So a reading from the New Testament is from the Gospel of Luke, and we are in chapter 12. We are in verses 13 through 21. Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. A man in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide with me the property our father left us. Jesus answered him, Man, who gave me the right to judge or to divide the property between you two? And he went on to say to them all, Watch out and guard yourselves from every kind of greed, because a person's true life is not made up of the things he owns, no matter how rich he may be. Then Jesus told them this parable. There was once a rich man who had land which bore good crops. He began to think of him to himself, I don't have a place to keep all my crops. What can I do? This is what I will do, he told himself. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Well, I will store the grain and all my other goods. Then I will say to myself, lucky man, you have all the good things you need for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, enjoy yourself. But God said to him, You fool, 
This very night you will have to give up your life. Then who will get all these things you have kept for yourself? And Jesus concluded, This is how it is with those who pile up riches for themselves, but are not rich in God's sight. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the time to be here today to study your word and to worship you. We ask, Heavenly Father, that you open our eyes and our ears and our hearts to the message that you have for each and every one of us. Holy Spirit, may we gain the full measure of that message that you have for us here today. And may the words that I say be your words and not mine, for the glory and name of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. So, we've been talking for a couple weeks about the wonderful love of our Lord and about how Hosea is a illustration of the risky love that God has for his creation, right? He loves us unconditionally. Like he says here in the scripture, there's all this imagery of how he's the father figure and he's loving Israel. And then this, you know, of you're going to be destroyed by the sword and your gates. You're going to go back to the yoke of Egypt and, and the rule of Assyria. And then you say, but no, because I'm God and not man. He loves us with a love that we can't understand. Right? Last week when I said, what if you had been told by God to marry a prostitute? <laughs> and we said, first I probably think, I didn't hear you right, God. You can't mean that, right? Or I out and out disobey God, say, I'm just not doing it. That's one I'm going to have to repent for, right? Not Very few of us would say, yeah, I heard you right, and I, yeah, I'm going to go marry a prostitute, right? Very few of us would do that, but Hosea did, and it was an illustration of to us to show how much God loves us. He loves us not asking us to be perfect. And here he says, I'm not going to destroy. I'm not going to punish you. For I am God and not man. I, the Holy One, am with you. I will not come to you in anger. And it's hard for us to understand that, right? We have a saying, it's a big wheel, but it comes round, right? <laughs> when someone does you wrong... Very rarely do you say, dear Lord, you take care of it. I'm going to get on to loving my brothers and sisters. A lot of times our dander gets up and we're like, oh, I'm going to get you back. Or we plot our revenge. Or we say at the very least, well, it's a big wheel and it comes around. We rely on Buddhist thoughts of karma, right? <laughs> it's a big wheel, but it comes around, that wheel of karma, which is not us. But the Lord will contend for us. It's what we do. We say, I was wrong, dear Lord, you contend for me, right? Because sometimes it's our own brother or sister in Christ who have hurt us. You know, that's a hard one. My daughter's boyfriend, after three years, breaks up with her, and they're both professing Christians who go to church together. What do you do when your daughter says, man, I wish God would just blah, 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 and I say, but cheeks, 
<laughs> her nickname Cheeks because she's a fat Cheeks when she was born. Cheeks! <laughs> you sat in church with them. Now you want God to smite them? <laughs> you gotta let it with the Lord and get on to doing, you know, the Lord's work, right? But God's way, God loves us with that perfect love. I will not because I am God and not man. See, God doesn't ask us to do anything he doesn't give us a role model for, right? That he doesn't give us a roadmap for. And so he asks us to love in the way that he shows us, no matter what, right? So we swallow our pride and we move on and say, Lord, you contend, right? You take care of it. You contend. It's your grand plan. I'm going to get on to doing your work as a disciple of Christ. And that's what we do. And he loves us when we deny him. He loves us to our last breath. He loves us in our sin. And I just had a lady at the church I was just at. She came new. She hasn't been there before. And I had mentioned how I, in my secular job, I was talking with a gentleman. He's had a same-sex partner for 28 years. 28 years. And he said to me, Trish, I know I'm living in sin. <laughs> now, in all my life on this planet, none of my non-binary or LBGTQ people that I know have ever said I'm living in sin. <laughs> but he says to me, Trish, I know I'm living in sin. Aren't we all? Aren't we all living in sin of one kind or another? There ain't a one of us who uses every second of our day being a disciple of Christ. Not a one of us. Not a one of us can say, geez, when we lay our pillow on our head, I spent every day the exact way God wanted me to. I didn't waste a second of it. Not a one of us. Right? Not a one of us. So I said to him, I said, you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? Yes, I do. But praise be God. You know, you keep seeking him. Right? You keep seeking him. He said, I just can't give up my partner. Well, the alcoholic can't give up his alcohol. The drug addict can't give up his drug addict. The workaholic can't give up his work. The phoneaholic can't give up the phone. Like, you see what I'm saying, folks? Right? You see what I'm saying? Thank God for the blood of the Lamb. Thank God for the blood of the Lamb. Because there ain't a one of us who is holy. And our beloved Savior fulfilled the law because we can't fill the law. He fulfilled it for us. And when we stand on Judgment Day, I'm so glad that each and every one of us is going to stand there with Christ by our side. So that our father would say, yes, you are my son and daughter. You are my son and daughter. Because we are not perfect and we are not holy. So then we get on to our New Testament reading, right? We're storing up stuff for ourselves. And I love that word demand. Demand. Your life's going to be demanded from you. Yikes. What does that mean, demanded from you? That means it's not your own, right? It's not your own. When you say yes to Jesus, even if you don't say yes to Jesus, when God created you, 
your life and he breathed life into you and he wove you together in your mother's womb as a special creature of his, a special creation of his. That was a gift. Life is a gift. And your life is a gift and it's not your own. You're supposed to do with it as God wants you to do with it. The frog, fully rely on God because God created you to do his work on this planet for the short period of time that you're here. Because if you're here for a hundred years, wow, it sounds like, well, that's, that's a hundred years compared to eternity. That ain't nothing. That's nothing. That is not a long time. Maybe you're here for the average lifespan of 87 years. That is not long, right? That is not long. So what are you gonna do with it? What if your life was demanded from you yesterday? What's all your stuff doing for you? It's sitting there for your loved ones to take care of is what it's doing for you. You know, my husband was watching Barrett Jackson, or maybe it was Meekum, one of those car auction things. And there's a gentleman who's had 240 classic cars that are sitting in these climate controlled barns with electric and climate control. And some of them are barn fine projects, right? So they're rusty and they're ready to be restored, right? He's dead. They're all going to auction. What good did 240 cars, millions of dollars sitting in barns, and I have collected things, my husband has collected things, and let me tell you, as a collector, what do you do? You collect it, you stick it somewhere, and you very rarely even look at it again, right? Am I right? <coughs> you know you have it. That's about it, right? <laughs> or you can't find it, right? You put it in a safe place. That's the worst place to put something. What good did it do him? And he literally stored it up in barns, climate-controlled barns. What good did all that money stored in those barns do his fellow man? It wasn't even like a museum where people could come through and look. What good did it do him? And now it's going up for auction. Stuff he loved, his family could care less about, and they're selling it. What good did it do? The storing up is not the problem. The storing up for yourself is the issue. Store it up as a good steward for God. Yeah, God, you blessed me. And so I'm stewarding it because then I use it to help, right? I see someone in need, I help. My husband and I, a year and a half ago, when we were traveling all the time to Pittsburgh, and my job was not doing good, and I'm the sole supporter of my, my family, and so Tommy's not working, and Jamie's in college, and things were tight. Ladies from the church in Evansburg, from my Bible study group, gathered up money and gave it to us, right? They were good stewards. Uh, the, the storing up the money wasn't the problem. They were good stewards. They were using it for good, right? They weren't storing it up saying, yep, now I can lay back on easy street because you cannot take it with you right you cannot take it with you so you ask God you rely on God what do you want me to do with these blessings that you've given me where do you want me to use them and he will provision you to use them he will show you how Dean when's enough enough 
You know, we have a spiritual discipline called simplicity. How much, how many of us, especially here in America, follow that spiritual discipline? Doesn't mean you have to live in sackcloth with ashes all over your head, right? But when is a night, when is a house good enough, you need a bigger house, especially in America. A house isn't good enough, you need a bigger house. A car isn't good enough, you need a bigger car. The, the, the designer name on your clothes is never designer enough. This phone is never good enough, it has to be a better phone. Like, you see what I'm saying? In America, good enough is never good enough. You never have enough. But your life is not yours. Okay? You know, when John said, faith without works is dead, he didn't mean works like women should not wear pants but dresses and don't cut your hair and, you know, those aren't the works he's talking about. He's talking about works of love, of piety, of faith. He's talking about works of witness. He's talking about when you know Jesus Christ, your heart is changed. And all of a sudden, all that stuff doesn't matter. Even all this stuff doesn't matter, right? doesn't matter if we have flowers on the altar. It looks great, but does, it doesn't matter to our faith and our love of Jesus Christ. If our church burned down yesterday, we would still find a way to gather and worship today, right? Is that right? It is, isn't it? Because we, the people, are the church. We, the people, are Christ here on earth. Christ dwells in you, and so does his Holy Spirit. So build up in heaven what your heavenly Father has provisioned you to do. And don't say, yeah, I can lay back on Easy Street now. Because until you breathe your last breath, God has work for you to do. Until he demands your life of you, you have a purpose here on earth. And while the enemy tries to tell you, you don't. And while he tries to make you sad, and while he tries to beat you down and tell you you're worthless and you're a sinner and you're not good enough, those are all lies. Because as long as you're here and you're breathing, God's got something for you to be doing. So my ask for you this week is to look around, to look at your life and say, how am I using God's blessings? And don't rely on your own thoughts, because we're kids. We want to eat candy for dinner every day. <laughs> rely on God in your prayers. Ask God, how do you want me to use the gifts you've given me? Because I'm stupid, I don't know. I want to eat candy for dinner. I want to lay poolside and do nothing. How do you want me to use the gifts you've given me, Lord? And guess what? Our Heavenly Father who loves you, he'll let you know. He'll let you know. And then all you have to do is be strong enough to step out and do it. Right? Step out and do it. And if you're feeling weak, you call up one of your brothers or sisters sitting beside you here and say, God wants me to do it, but I'm scared to death. Pastor Trish, God wants me to lead a Bible study. I'm scared to death. I don't like talking to my brothers and sisters in Christ. He wants me to lead a Bible study. I'm not going to do that. And we'll get it done. You know, we'll get it done. All right? So this week, take a look at your life. 
See how we can better use our talents and our blessings from God for the good of his kingdom here on earth. I now invite you to sing our closing song, number 474.